This is a Federal News Network podcast. Coming up on today's Federal Newscast, some guidance on which federal employees qualify for the recently passed paid sick leave legislation. Unions are voicing their concerns with agency responses to coronavirus. And agencies are being told to not use a popular virtual meeting app. These stories and more in today's Federal Newscast. Welcome to today's episode of the Federal Newscast. I'm Eric White. Most federal employees are not eligible for the emergency paid sick leave Congress passed into law last month. That's because employees hired under the Title V and Title 38 civil service systems are covered under Family and Medical Leave Act provisions. The Labor Department is overseeing the implementation of emergency coronavirus sick leave, but the Office of Personnel Management detailed who is and is not covered. Postal Service and Postal Regulatory Commission employees are eligible for two weeks of paid emergency sick leave. Certain legislative branch employees and temporary appointees are also eligible. Lawmakers and interest groups call for more Postal Service funding in future pandemic spending bills. The National Association of Postal Supervisors seeks hazard pay for postal workers, as well as funds to provide facilities with protective gear and sanitizing products. Meanwhile, seven House Democrats urge congressional leadership to include $25 billion in funding for USPS in the next spending bill. The members also seek a requirement for future postal retirees to enroll in Medicare to reduce health care costs and allowing post offices to work with state and local governments to offer more non-postal services. The Trump administration abruptly fires the man in charge of overseeing how the coronavirus stimulus package is spent. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni reports. In a surprise move, President Donald Trump relieves Glenn Fine from his position of overseeing how the government will spend $2 trillion in stimulus money. The administration has not announced a replacement to lead the Pandemic Response Accountability Board. Fine reverts back to his position of Defense Department Principal Deputy Inspector General. He performed the duties of DODIG throughout the tenure of Trump's presidency. I'm Scott Massioni. The law Longtime Chief of Staff for Veterans Affairs Secretary Robert Wilkie will be the agency's new acting deputy. President Trump tapped Pamela Powers to perform the duties of the deputy secretary. She'll continue to serve as Wilkie's chief of staff. Powers has over 30 years of experience in the Air Force and the Defense Department. She served as Wilkie's chief of staff when he was DOD's undersecretary for personnel and readiness. The VA deputy secretary position has been vacant since Wilkie fired Jim Byrne earlier this year. Troops affected by the military stop order movement may have to wait even longer to go to their next orders. Air Force Chief of Staff General David Goldfein says it's likely the order will stretch into August. That is when most of the military's permanent change of stations occur. Currently, more than 120,000 troops are unable to move to their next orders or come home from overseas deployments. Some unintended consequences of the order have left military families paying rent in more than one place or without homes. Acting Navy Secretary Tom Modley issues an apology to sailors in his final message to the fleet. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu has details. Modley submitted his resignation yesterday after he was widely condemned for inflammatory remarks aboard the USS Theodore Roosevelt. In his final words to the Navy, he says he lost situational awareness when he picked up the microphone aboard the TR and that he's deeply sorry for the words he used. He says he brought incoming fire onto the Navy and will regret it for the rest of his life, but realized that that fire would continue until he stepped aside. Jared Serbu, Federal News Network. 
The 2020 census soldiers on despite delays in field operations caused by the coronavirus. Recent data from the Census Bureau shows it has more than 40,000 temporary decennial employees on its payroll. The Bureau expects to hire as many as half a million temporary workers to complete the count. Field operations across the country remain on hold through April 15th. Meanwhile, the Bureau warns staffing adjustments at call centers may lead to increased wait times and that wait times may vary by language options. Households can respond to the 2020 count in more more than a dozen languages online, over the phone, or through a paper questionnaire. The American Federation of Government Employees filed two complaints against the Veterans Affairs Department and the Bureau of Prisons for their coronavirus responses. The complaints went to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. AFGE says VA and BOP are not following quarantine guidance for employees who are exposed to confirmed or suspected COVID-19 cases. VA flatly denied those claims. The department says employees are isolating themselves per CDC guidance. and VA facilities have essential personal protective equipment and employees are using it. The National Treasury Employees Union saw new weather and safety schedules designed to protect customs and border protection officers from coronavirus exposures are being canceled. NTEU negotiated agreements with local CBP ports of entry. The new schedules allowed most CBP officers to report to their duty stations for 32 hours and spend eight hours a week on weather and safety leave. But NTEU says the agency is rescinding those schedules and it's not sure why. Agencies are being advised against using a popular free video teleconferencing system. Federal News Network's Jason Miller has more on that. The Homeland Security Department and the General Services Administration told agencies yesterday to stay away from the free version of the Zoom video conferencing application. Instead, GSA and DHS say agencies should use the Zoom for Government application that is subscription-based and has received a moderate cyber approval under the cloud security program known as FedRAMP. Federal News Network contacted eight agency CIOs, and most said they either don't use Zoom or discontinued the use of the application. I'm Jason Miller. Contractors can begin moving to one scheduled contract under the General Services Administration's Signature Acquisition Vehicle. GSA released the final Multiple Award Schedule, or MAS, modification yesterday after making some minor tweaks to the draft version. GSA released the draft modification in late 2019 and received good feedback, with 91% of respondents agreeing that the proposed guidance is clear and 93% saying it would benefit industry. GSA plans on completing the consolidation of 24 schedules to one by the end of fiscal 2020. And a tiny federal agency is taking a long view on a very big issue. Federal News Network's Tom Temin has the details. It's the Election Assistance Commission. Primary elections have become chaotic in the coronavirus crisis, but the EAC has put out for comment the next version of its voluntary voting system guidelines. 2.0 is in part to help voting equipment manufacturers develop more secure and accessible systems. EAC Chairman Ben Hovland says the new guidelines aren't about the 2020 national election, but rather about what he calls the infrastructure of our democracy. I'm Tom Temin. You can find more information about these stories at federalnewsnetwork.com, search Federal Newscast, subscribe to the Federal Newscast on Podcast One or Apple Podcasts, and stay up to date on your agency's response to the coronavirus at our coronavirus resource page. I'm Eric White. 